Hi folks, Bob Main here with another episode of today's Survival Show. Helping you do what you can with what you have wherever you are. This is episode 213 and I'm going to talk a little bit about pest control. This is a subject that really doesn't get a lot of attention. It gets some. There's some people on forums making posts and blogs making posts. I haven't heard a whole lot of podcasts, just a few, on pest control because I do listen to other podcasts. But when it comes to prepping, you think about it. Okay, you're storing food, you're storing water, you're preparing for the stink hits the fan. What could be worse than a bunch of pests that get in and eat your food storage, ruin your food storage, contaminate water, food, anything that you've got, uh, supplies, medical supplies, and things like that. So, you know, I like to talk about what to do now and what to do after the stink hits the fan. And what to do now in terms of prior planning is taking uh, taking care of the pests, getting rid of the pests is what I meant to say. You know, pest control. So I want to talk about non-toxic pest control and also some just generalized pest control. My friend Matt Chusnick interviewed with me recently, and he's going to be coming on shortly here. We did an interview. You're going to get a chance to hear it. Um, He does a lot of pest control work at his job. That's part of his duties is to, he, 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 uh, he works at a huge building in Austin, Texas. And so pest control is one of his job duties. So he shared with us some pretty good stuff as uh, techniques that he uses while he's working at the building. Plus I found on stealth survival blog, there is a really good post that was made a few years back, but it's on non-toxic pest control. And I'm going to share some of that with you. Pretty good stuff. You know, how you can do it in a natural way. And then, you know, Matt and I talk about another way of doing it. Now, bunch of stuff going on at today's survival show. A lot of you have been purchasing products from my Amazon store. Thank you very much. If you want to support today's survival show, if you like what I do on this program, if I help you out in any way, consider making your purchases off of my Amazon store. If you go to todayssurvival.com and click Amazon store, you'll see the link. Bookmark that link or save it or bookmark that page and do your shopping there. Also, you might want to check out my everyday carry store, my EDC store. And, And basically when I say everyday carry, I mean, you know, general survival supplies that I think everybody should have in your everyday emergency bag. All right. Think about your 72-hour emergency kits. These are the, the supplies that I have in mind that I think that it's a very good idea that you might want to keep in yours. Just some general good survival supplies. Check out what's at my everyday carry store. Also, um, I've got a Survival Champions Club that people subscribe to. Uh, it's, it's special podcasts that I've never covered or I've never aired, excuse me, on this podcast, on the general free podcast that comes out a few times a month. Uh, Glenn Tate, the author of the book series, 299 Days, did a really good follow-up to the interview on building a prepper team. And that part two is available uh, on my Survival Champions Club. A white bear, the um, primitive living skills trainer out in Montana, also did a part two of our recent interview. John Neusser, who I recently had on about self-defense, he did an interview. And there's a bunch of older versions. Uh, Matt Chesnick, who's going to come on this program here shortly on this episode. A while back, he did an interview with me on knife and tool sharpening. Good stuff there. And Matt Brasick, who runs Midwest Disaster Medical up in Wisconsin gave us some really good information on first aid. So if you go to today's Survival Champions Club at at the website, go to todayssurvival.com. Remember, there's two S's in that web address, todayssurvival.com. If you go there and you check out the Survival Champions Club over in the right-hand margin, you can find out how to get one of those premium podcasts, and that will also help to support my show. I don't have any paid sponsors on this show, so it's supported entirely by listeners' uh, generosity. Last but not least, Glenn Tate's most recent book, The Visitors, which is volume five of the 299-day series, has been out now a couple months. You can get that off the recommended books page at today's Survival Show, and you'll also help out the show. I'm quoted on the front cover, by the way. It's kind of cool. 
Okay, well, let's get into the um, the pest control topics here that I want to talk about for this episode. I will put a link to this blog uh, called Stealth Survival, to this particular page. But I want to share some tips with you from this on non-toxic pest control. Cleanliness is one of the big attributes that they that they suggest. It's the best way to start a non-toxic pest control system. So I'll share some of this. The first thing that they list on here is make sure that there are no open food sources. Dirty dishes and open cans of food are a huge invitation to pests. You're going to hear Matt and I talk about that a little bit in the interview coming up. Also make sure that there are no readily available sources of water like dripping faucets or leaky valves, dishes in the sink. Those are the types of things that can also cause pest problems. Um, try not to eat in areas where there's carpet. This, this was a good one. When I read this, I thought that's pretty good because it's true. You know, we tend to drop crumbs on the carpet. Those are bug magnets. Avoid eating in bed. Boy, that's something that uh, I got family members that like to do. Try not to do that. That that can invite critters into the bed. Vacuum all areas of your house regularly. I know it sounds like that's kind of elementary and basic, but uh, I got to admit we don't vacuum every day and we need to. Always wash your bedding in hot water and bathe in shampoo and comb your pets regularly. Pets are a huge source of pests and critters and bugs bathe and shampoo them regularly uh, that's when you're to get, you're going to discover if they're bringing things into your home uh, another subject here if you're saving aluminum cans keep them stored outside and away from food storage area always take the garbage out regularly uh, this this is another big huge invitation it's kind of like ringing the dinner bell for the little critters, little pests, if you don't take the garbage out. And keep your house organized and free of clutter. Now, I've talked about this in previous shows early on, uh, you know, last year. Decluttering your home. Old newspapers and magazines can be a real invitation to pests. That can cause problems. Uh, they kind of create a pretty good source of nesting material for rats and mice. Okay, the old newspapers and magazines. Don't give the pests a lot of hiding places. Matt and I are going to talk about that in the interview coming up. Now, let's talk specifically about mice and rats. Getting rid of them. Again, this is a non-toxic way. Um, you, can, you can use dried peppermint leaves behind and under the stove and the refrigerator. That helps get rid of mice. Uh, don't forget to use the proverbial mouse or rat trap. Um, they're very efficient. They're mechanical killers. And, uh, you know, especially when you load them up with a little peanut butter. I think mm, a lot of us have been doing that. That's also a great non-toxic way to do it. Ants can be repelled or deterred by placing cucumber peels or slices in areas where ants are active. Uh, that will help as a deterrent and a small line of cayenne pepper or coffee grounds or even a piece of string soaked in lemon juice and placed at the point of entry will also help keep ants from crossing. See, I didn't know that till I read this blog. Small line of cayenne pepper or coffee grounds uh, or a string soaked in lemon juice. For cockroaches, here's some interesting stuff. Make catnip sachets and leave in strategic places around the house or simmer some catnip in water and use it to make a spray which can be applied to baseboards. Didn't know that. Also, put a couple slices of beer-soaked bread, like stale bread and stale, stale beer, into an empty one-pound coffee can. And uh, you can use the plastic ones plastic coffee cans. Leave it out where roaches congregate because this can be an effective deterrent for roaches. Cut small openings or holes in the plastic lid. <laughs> That's another good one. Uh, slices of beer-soaked stale bread. Didn't know that. that. That's kind of a good one there. Now, I talked about your pets. Shampooing your pets. Here's something. Here's kind of a natural way of doing it. Okay, sorry, I had to grab a phone call there. Anyway, I was talking about um, pest control for your pets. To get rid of fleas, 
one thing I like on this blog, it says you can pour a cup of boiling water over a sliced lemon and let it soak overnight and then use that on your pet. The lemon scent dishwashing liquid also works good as flea shampoo. Uh, Also add a teaspoon of apple cider vinegar to your pet's drinking water. Uh, Now that is if you can get your pet to drink it. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I don't know if our dog would would drink uh, their water with apple cider vinegar. But but you never know. To repel against mosquitoes, uh, mix a one part garlic juice to five parts water. One part garlic juice to five parts water for natural mosquito spray. Uh, that's that's something that is is a good idea. Flies, uh, you can hang cheesecloth squares filled with bay leaves in windows or clothes. Uh, fill plastic bags with water and hang them in doorways and around patios. And this course, the plain old fly strips. Remember those. Man, now Matt is going to touch on this in the interview. But inside the house, you can use diatomaceous, diatomaceous earth, uh, food grade diatomaceous earth. It's a non-toxic chalky dust uh, that can be used both indoors and outdoors um, to control a lot of household garden pests. So there's some kind of organic, natural stuff that you can use for uh, non-toxic pest control. Hopefully you got something out of that, kind of a few tidbits of information there. And here comes a quick break, and then my interview with Matt Chusnick. Well, my guest for this episode is Matt Chusnick from the great city of Austin. Welcome back. Hey, Bob, how are you doing? Pretty good. You've been on this show before, but it's been a while. Glad to have you back. You've also been a, a contributor to the uh, uh, Survival Champions Club way back when, talking about knife sharpening and all that. Oh, boy, yeah, I've been on here a few times. Yeah. So we're going to make ourselves some pests today, right? Well, we're going to talk about some pests, <laughs> uh, some concerns that we might have as preppers. Yeah. Well, and you and I were talking a little bit before we got this started that, you know, sometimes pest control is something that doesn't seem to get talked a lot about in the survival community, but it can be a pretty important thing, especially if you're storing a lot of food and things. Exactly. Uh, I remember Ben Barnum talking on a kind of hit show about going and looking for something and finding it and then finding out that the mice had gotten into it and it had just been trashed. Yeah, and you do quite a bit of this on your job, don't you? Yeah, right now I am actually uh, the contact person for all of our pest control uh, stuff. And, you know, we do, I, I run into, you know, the basics of, of like roaches and bed bugs, but we also have uh, occasionally had, you know, rats and mice and, and other rodents and into our our building so we have to watch out for all those things well we do so what do you suggest that preppers do when they're putting away stuff uh what are your what are some of your methods that you do at work that you think people could apply at home for controlling bugs and pests well first and foremost cleanliness yeah you know keep the clutter down uh you know the the more clutter you have the more hiding places that these pests have and, you know, if, if you can keep the clutter down, keep it clear, keep checking on things. And what we do is we kind of do like a monthly inspection. Mm-hmm. Every month we come through and we kind of look at things for pest control. And, you know, we're looking for specific things. And we look and we if we don't see anything, great, no problem. And, you know, I mean, my job is a little different. You know, we require people to report on things. But get your family involved. You know, your kids might see something that you miss. They might see a line of ants crawling into the bag of sugar that you have stored. So getting the family involved and everybody looking for the warning signs, that sounds like that's the first thing you're talking about. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you have to be aware, and there, there is no magic bullet in, in pest control. I mean, it's the one thing I've learned. It's kind of like with knives, there's no magic steel that does everything that you want it to do. 
there's there's no magic bullet that gets rid of all pests and eliminates them and blocks them forever. It's kind of, it's a combination of a lot of things. It it is, and not giving them a place to hide is is really one of the big ones. You know, if your stuff is is where you can see all sides, or at least you know back against a wall, but if you can see, get back there with a flashlight and see if there's anything moving around back there. And you can break pests down into a couple different categories. You you have, you know, your your predator pest and your your nuisance pest. Mm-hmm. You know, your predator pest is going to be you know your snake, and down here you know tarantulas and scorpions and spiders. You know, those things are all going to be predators. They're going to be hunting. If you start seeing those. You know you may have a problem. That's yeah, true, <laughs> and and you want to start looking. I mean, sometimes you know the tarantulas, the snakes, the scorpions—they're looking for just a place to shelter up. And you know, you may have a good location. You may not have the pest yet, but you may have a good location where they can shelter up and kind of go out hunting. You might so have a location. Good. What you mean? You might have an inviting location for them, right? An an inviting location for them to house. Yeah. Not an inviting location for them to be hunting in. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you see them, be aware, be careful, you know, and, and look to see if you have any signs of, you know, mice, rats, anything like that where they might be going after it or any other bugs that they might be going after. So, you know, what, what are some of those signs you look for? Well, some of the signs, like with mice or rats, if you notice that, like, the edges of, if you've got stuff in cardboard boxes, yeah. which I would say right away, get rid of those, store them in plastic bins or store them in, you know, ammo cases, something like that. Um, but you can see where they've been nibbling away at things. Uh, mice and rats, they'll nibble little holes in the walls, in the wallboards. You know, you, you may hear skittering. In, mm-hmm. in between your walls, mm-hmm. and that's something you want to check out. You may have to go up in the attic and start looking and seeing if you've got somebody in your wall. Well, your point about cardboard boxes is a very good one. A lot of people make a mistake. I we uh, we stored nearly everything in those plastic bins that we bought at Walmart. Yeah, th- those are great. I mean, they'll keep them out. Um, if they get desperate, they'll start to chew into them. And they, I mean, I've seen them actually chewed into, but you'll start to see the teeth marks on them and, and the little nibbles on the edges. I think I've seen some of those. That's right. Now that you bring that up. Wow. Okay. So you'll see them making the attempt. Yeah. You'll see them making the attempt. They, they may get frustrated. They may get decide that it's not worth that, that much effort, you know, cause cardboard, they can go through, you know, two, three bites they're through and they can get to the prize. Yeah. You know, so they don't worry about that too much. Um, but the plastic kind of keeps them out a little bit more. And it, it also is a good barrier for your other pests, you know, your insect pests, you know, for the most part. As a matter of fact, my mother-in-law actually used to use one of these uh, dog food containers that had a screw-top lid. Yeah. And it keeps pests out completely. And I would say, go to the store, start storing stuff in those because... Uh, your insects can't get into those. Right. The, the other ones with uh, just the clip-on lids, they can get into. Yeah. And and, you can, oh, sorry, sorry, keep go going. On. Okay, I was going to say they can get into those, and, and you know, and you can wind up with those in into your food storage before you and not even realize it. Yeah, true. Well, and and that would be that would be a huge disaster. I mean, if they get into the food storage, then you know that's one of the things. <clears throat> and I'm glad you know, I'm, I'm glad we're having this discussion because how, how bad, how terrible would that be to have all this food put away and all of a sudden the pests have just destroyed it when, and you need it the most? Oh, you know, absolutely. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, it's like I got to thinking about this. I'm going, wow, you know, get infested with ants or roaches and suddenly you're, you're popping the things open in, in an emergency and you open it up and there you just find a nest of roaches or you you find food that's just been destroyed 
Yeah. Well, so Matt, let's talk about some safe do-it-yourself methods of prevention and extermination. Okay. Um, so the the safest stuff, um, you know, it depends on. I, I'm not touchy feely about these things, and for for my money, it's like, hey, they're going after my food. They're dead. <laughs> I, I want them dead. I want them gone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I know there are people out there that are kind of like, oh, well, let's just relocate them. Fine. You want to do that? There are traps out there that will catch mice, rats, those things, and you're able to relocate them. Yeah. I, I don't I don't get into that relocation stuff because <laughs> they, they, they multiply so fast. You know, who cares? They, they do. And it's, you know... That that's one of the the hazards of suddenly giving them a food supply and a nesting place. You know, suddenly you have them throughout the house. Exactly, it it becomes a real problem. Um, you know, for like mice and rats and stuff, snap traps, uh-huh. glue, glue boards. You know, those are excellent alternatives. How do you and, use a glue board? The glue board say what they do is it comes as a uh, just a thing and you lay it out and you can lay it out underneath your food storage uh, or beside your food storage. Lay it out in the areas where they're going to be traveling. Mm-hmm. And same with the snap traps. Lay them out in areas where they're going to be traveling. And the glue boards, what happens is they step on it and they get stuck to it. Okay. And it's it's a, a strong adhesive. The disadvantage to the glue board is you wind up with a live rat or a mouse on the glue board, and you have to dispose of it. Right. You know, so it, you know, they they can be kind of messy. And I've I've heard stories of you know them you know ripping legs off and and that kind of stuff. I've never seen that, but you know, a lot of times it's and and this is a good. These are what we call passive. Uh, ways of of monitoring, but also, uh, you know, exterminating pests. Yeah. Well, the glue board thing just seems like kind of messy and a lot of a lot of trouble. It it is, but you know what? You can buy uh, smaller ones that that are a little flatter that won't necessarily stop uh, like a rat, but may catch a mouse. But they also will catch insects. Okay, and those you can lay out, and those will bring an insect in, and the insects will get trapped. And it's a good way to monitor whether or not you're getting any visitation. Okay, you know that's this is what we're using. It's true. It gives you a, that gives you a chance to see what's to see if you are getting some visitation. That's true. It's kind of a it's kind of like you said. It's kind of a monitor, kind of an indication, and tips you off that there's there's uh, pests that are in the area. Exactly, and and when you look at it, you can kind of identify your pest. So it's an identification method. It's it's a way you can identify what kind of a pest you might be having problems with, and then start, you know, to to figure out a way to control it. You know, like for if you start to see indications of of mice and rats, uh, you know, you'll see their droppings, the, the feces on the, on the ground in, in certain areas. You'll see the, the nibble marks, um, it, which are real distinctive. You might see the holes in the wall. You might not. You know, they might be, they're, they're very adept at squeezing through small places. You know, it's funny you bring that up because just yesterday I, I took a ride with a friend of mine down to Seguin, Texas, and he's got... He's got kind of a vacation home on the Guadalupe River down there. And I went down there with him to help him set up a TV set. And we were kind of going through the home. It's a, it's a decent home he's got there. And we were looking around. And all of a sudden, we found some um, either mice or rat droppings. And then right nearby, we found a vent, a vent that's in the floor, a, a heating and AC vent that's mm-hmm. in the floor. And we could tell, we could tell where they had pushed open the slots in the heating and AC vent, and that's how they were actually getting in. We, we actually found it. So if you just kind of look around, get your flashlight out and look around, you'll probably eventually find the signs of entry. Flashlight is your best friend in pest control. Yep. 
if if you're going to start looking, you want something that's bright and you can follow the trail. And you know, one of the other indicators is if you've had any type of rodent as a pet. You know, they just they have a certain smell. <laughs> the the urine yeah. smells, the the feces smell, but there's a distinctive odor to it, and it's it's not like cats, it's not like dogs. You know, it's it's very much it's rodent. Yeah, yeah, and it seems like in this case, in my buddy's case, all he's going to have to pretty much do is replace the the grill for the vent. You know, get something that's not quite so easy for them to. Uh, get through and then of course uh, a lot of poison down there some traps yeah i might recommend traps instead of poison um you know and and if you're going to use you know just kind of go with poisons use a a bait type poison um because a lot of times what that will do is is they will eat it and then they bring it back to wherever and they share it Right, that's what I was suggesting. I was was suggesting a bait poison. And tell me what you think of this. The reason I was suggesting a bait poison is because right now there's nobody living in this home. So it's not like that people or pets might come in contact with it. Basically, it's not being lived in right now. So hopefully it would just kill a heck of a lot of rodents. Absolutely. And and that's one of the the keys to to doing it. One of the keys that, that they have for being such great multipliers is that they share their food, they bring stuff back to their colonies and to their nest areas, and they share it with the other members. Yeah. And so it's like, hey, a bait, they'll eat, they take that back, and they share it, and you can wipe out a nest or a, a colony in no time, and you, you never even have to worry about finding where it is, because it might even be outside the house. Yeah, but uh, you know what? Something has kind of got me concerned. If I'm storing food in a room, for example, would I really want to put bait poison in there? Well, that's the nice thing about bait poison is that generally it comes in a block or it, it right. comes like if, – if you've seen like ant baits, uh, they're, they're usually what we call granulars. Mm-hmm. You know, you can lay them out and you can lay them out in an area – where you know maybe pets and uh, children and and other adults don't you know hopefully the adults are not going to go over and go oh what's this yeah <laughs> but, you know we all know a few that will and you know kind of go oh it's poison so you, know, you would do that then yeah oh yeah I I would have no no problems I mean you get stuff um, like the you know rat poisons and and uh the baits and stuff those usually come in a box and and the only one i can think of off the top of my head now is is the decon um is that what you use at work i mean what do you guys use at work we we use uh we use a variety i mean we use decon we use uh some stuff that you know my boss is you know because we're uh um, multi-unit, multi-family housing, and stuff. Uh, we actually have access to some certain some things that aren't always available to the general public. But it's it's all basically the same. It's all basically that same type of poison. Um, and you know, if we use that for for rodents, we actually use the snap traps a lot. You know, we we find if we see indicators, we'll we'll set out the traps. And we set out the glue boards and stuff so that, you know, we, we have a chance of catching them before it becomes an infestation. Well, one thing that, had, that, that, <clears throat> that I had a problem with several years ago, I was storing things in my garage and I realized I had a, a mouse problem. So I put out bait, the poison bait. And the problem I was having is they were coming in, they were eating the bait, and then they were dying within about five to ten feet of the bait. They must be hang, must have been hanging around in the garage. And then after about two or three days, I'm smelling a dead mouse in my garage. So uh, yeah, you gotta that, you gotta keep up with it. You gotta keep up with it. Yeah, you've gotta you know it's it's one of those things where you you set that stuff out, especially if you you know you're having a problem. You gotta do you know kind of an everyday checking and clean it out. Because, you know, you otherwise you're going to wind up with that. And, 
you still may wind up with you know a mouse or a rat or something you know going somewhere and and they they're like oh i don't feel well i'm just gonna hide in this corner yeah and you're like i'm smelling it where is it (laughs) (laughs) so what else do you recommend for like do-it-yourself stuff um you know do it yourself uh get the stuff off the floor I mean, it's it's an obvious idea, right? Not putting things, yeah, right. Not storing stuff on the floor if you can help it. On yeah, on the floor, on the concrete. You know, get a couple of pallets. You can usually get them for free uh, from most places. You know, walk up to just about any business and say, "Hey, do you have any pallets?" And they 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 might say yes. Grocery stores are a great place. They might tell you no, you can't have them. Then you know, go on your way because somebody else will. Say, oh yeah, you can take whatever you want, you know. Yeah, and and they'll work. Yeah. You know, it, it works to get it off the floor. It doesn't keep them out, but it <clears throat> it makes it a little harder. Um, and then you know, like I say, good containers. Um, you know, so I mean, metal is is ideal. They don't have the ability to chew through metal. Um, and so if, if you can come up with, you know, like a metal storage shelf or a metal storage unit that, that has doors on it and closes, that'd be perfect. And just make sure, you know, if you, if you get like water in your garage or anywhere where there might be water that you check that unit to make sure it doesn't rust out. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, these are all good points. I would say probably, like, you know, you touched on cleanliness. That was a good one. Uh, I would say probably uh, also, wouldn't you say, cleaning in that area as much as possible? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it, it kind of goes without saying, in, at least in my mind, and, and I, I thank you for bringing that back up. Cleanliness with pests is the biggest thing that you can do. Um, the more clutter you have, the more stuff you just have around, the more hiding places they have the harder it makes your job trying to keep them out of things. Right. If, if you clear out the area and you have real nice, clean, neat shelves and, or, you know, your stuff stored in just an area where you can see it and you can go in and do a real quick inspection, you know, every, you know, even every month. I mean, if you don't have, if you don't show any problems, just inspect it, you know, once a month, make sure there's still nothing's going on. Make sure that that stuff is is still, you know, right where you want it to be, and in good condition. Um, you know, and it's it's just a good idea to to inspect any type of food storage or or any type of storage like that that you have that are are supplies. You know, keep make sure you're keeping your rotation up and good. Okay. All right. Uh, what else do you guys do at work? Uh, you know, it all depends on the pest and. But cleaning is is really the big thing. Um, you know, mice and rats love dirty areas where they can hide, um, and it it gives them an opportunity to build nests in, in areas. Um, roaches they love clutter and mess and dirt because you can't see them, mm-hmm. and you never know how many you have in in those situations. Um, you know, I've gone into places. And if it, I mean, it's cluttered, you can smell them. And, and the problem with pests is, is not only are they going to destroy your food storage or, or anything like that, but with uh, things like mice and rats, you have disease problems uh, such as hantavirus and stuff where, you know, being around the feces and, and the droppings can actually cause you to get a, a virus that will kill you. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, and and then, you know, people don't want to believe it, but even to this day, there there are still rats and, and mice out there that are carrying the bubonic plague. Now, if you get bit, you got to be checked. I here mean, in the they, States, are they carrying that around here? Oh, yeah, in the U.S., yeah. yeah. Okay. They, they still do carry the plague. Um, you know, it's not real common. I wouldn't and, think it is. Yeah, and we, we wind up... Uh, you know, if you get bit by a rat or a mouse, you, you usually people go into the hospital 
and and have it checked out and say, hey, you know, I got bit by a rat or a mouse, you know, because you know they're they're worried about rabies and stuff, but they'll they'll test you for everything, and we we do actually have uh, treatments for the plague and things like that, and so that they they can get it ahead of time and antibiotics do work for those types of things yeah which is also another good reason since you brought that up if at all possible it's a good idea for preppers to have some antibiotics stored if you if you can it's not an easy thing to do because when you're given antibiotics you're supposed to take them all yes Um, but um you know uh i'm not going to get into too many details but we do have some antibiotics stored well, well, sometimes what happens, and, and I'll say this much, uh, you know, sometimes what happens with antibiotics is you you get enough to to run your full course, and the doctor adds on a little extra just to be safe. And they say, you know, take it for 10 days, you may have 12 days worth of antibiotics. If you have a really good relationship with your doctor, a real good, sometimes you can get them to prescribe exactly. uh, more than more than the 10 days that you need. Exactly. And, you know, that's, you know, it doesn't mean they last forever or, or anything like that. Yeah, they don't be, last forever. Yeah, you have to be careful about that. Correct. You know? But beyond that, um, you know, the, the other thing that, that you want to have when dealing with pests and stuff a good pair of gloves, and probably if you're dealing with uh, cleaning stuff up, uh, some type of a dust mask. Uh, dust mask is is good if you're doing a cleanup. Um, you know, you might even want to consider going to like a full paint respirator type thing uh, if you're dealing with uh, rodent infestations and stuff, because. The, the problem with stuff like hantavirus is that it is on the feces and, you know, when you kick up that dust, it, it'll it get slipped past those little paper masks that everybody gets. You know, yeah. so you might want a full respirator for that. Okay. But, uh, you know, but a good set of gloves because, you know, those things, they do bite. You know, everybody always asks... The question is like, well, does it bite? It has teeth. That's yeah. always my answer. It, it doesn't matter. It's going to bite. You know, anything that has teeth will bite. You know, from the four-year-old child to the you know fifty-year-old friendly dog in the neighborhood. Yeah, it has teeth. It can bite. There is always that potential. Um, you know, I would recommend something. You know, real heavy gloves like welders gauntlets or something like that. You know, that are just heavy leather so that it's tough for them to break through the glove itself. Mm-hmm. So that even if they they would get a bite on you, it probably wouldn't break skin. Okay, good point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, and that's, you know, when you're cleaning up or if you, you know, happen to notice one around and you're trying to get rid of it, like bats, you know, we, we get those down here all the time. And you can sometimes you have to move them and, and relocate them. I I usually let bats go because they're a good insect controller. You know they go out they eat their their weight in mosquitoes and other insects. Yeah, bats are actually a good thing. Yeah, yeah, I like having bats around. It's kind of like I I don't mind having snakes around as long as, long as you know we're talking about the non venomous kind. You know, a poisonous snake, I may have to uh, get rid of that one. (laughs) I don't like snakes. (laughs) I don't particularly care for them, but I also know they're not competing for my food. Right. If I see a snake or if I see, you know, if I see a snake, I'm going to start looking to see what, where his food source is. Because that might mean that I have a problem with my storage. Right. And I, I'm going to look and check my storage and stuff. Otherwise, I may have just given him an opportune place to live where he's very comfortable, and he may just be hunting in the area. Okay. I'll let him, I'll let him stay and hunt in the area because, you know what, that means that my food storage is safe. True. Or at least I've got a, another layer of protection on my storage. As long as he's not inside my house, you know, He's more than welcome to hunt outside. <laughs> All right. 
You know, and, and, I mean, these are things you have to kind of think about. You know, same with scorpions, same with, with tarantulas. If they're outside my house, I'm going to start looking and seeing if I can see any indicators of their food sources. You know, but, you know, tarantulas and, and scorpions, well, they hunt insects. So, you know, as long as they're not in my house hunting insects, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm o- you're okay with that because they're out there taking care of pests. They're they're out there to protecting my house, and we've got a beneficial relationship. You know, when they start invading, well, then then we might have some <laughs> discussions, and I might try to relocate them outside. Yeah, good good idea. Well, good, Matt. This is good stuff. Um, I want to wrap it up in a couple of minutes, but you, you, the the floor is pretty much all yours. I've kind of asked some of the questions I wanted to ask. What else? In closing, what do you want to tell listeners about about pest control for preppers? Well, one thing uh, I want to hit on too is you know your insect populations, and because I mean we hit on rodents and and stuff, but you know we we missed roaches and any other types of insects and ants and things like that. Um, Let's spend some time the, on that then. Yeah, one of the the big ones that we use, uh, especially with roaches, we don't like to spray, and and I've actually been talking with our pest control professional people out there they don't like doing the sprays um yeah because generally the sprays are not as effective Mm -hmm. and you wind up you know spraying a lot of stuff around and causing everybody problems and not necessarily getting your pest what they've been recommending is and what they what they like to use is this stuff called gel bait g-e-l bait gel bait okay yeah, you can find it at Home Depot and stuff. And for a while, I was going, wow, you know, that must be really good stuff that they're using. And the stuff at Home Depot, probably not as good. I talked to them. And, you know, it's like their stuff may be a 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Stuff you can get at Home Depot is 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10. Mm-hmm. So it's almost as good. So, okay. you know, it's it's well worth it. The key to doing the the baits with like roaches and and ants and things is don't continue to use the same stuff all the time. If you if you're using it, if you're trying to combat a problem, use one product one month, and then switch. Make sure that you're using different pesticides because sometimes these pests can build up resistance to that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, so as long as you're switching it up, and because sometimes you can do a rotation, you can switch it up and use one product, and it starts to take care of the problem. But then you get some with resistance, and you switch it to a new one, and you wipe out your problem. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, so keep in mind that each of these, all of these products use different poisons, and and so keep a little bit of a stock of of those types of things. And, and try to do that. The other thing you can use is the little roach motels. And those things, they work great. Uh, Explain what that is. It's, it's just a, usually it's a little hexagonal shaped thing. And it's a bait trap. And, or it's, it's, sometimes they're squares and you break off one and you slide it underneath uh, an area where you you know they might be traveling and it gives them more ready access to the food mm-hmm. and so they'll come in eat in that but the trick with those is you've got to change them every 30 days usually they're good for about 30 days okay if you don't change them out in 30 days what you wind up doing is giving them a house to live in okay so you're basically you're giving them you're, you're if you don't change it out you're actually helping their cause exactly yeah so you know it's got it's one of those things you got to keep up on, and you know we with with pest management and stuff when we come into apartments and stuff, what we try to do is do it as few times a year as as we need to just to keep the con, the populations in control, keep them out of people's houses and stuff. I mean, I went into some places when we first started this, um, and you know you know I don't have a small hand. Mm-hmm. I saw fist size balls of cockroaches. Wow! In in one place, and 
I mean, I was just like, oh my god, that's that's yeah. horrifying. Now this that same resident, after we've been doing this for a while, actually has it under control. We're not seeing. We're we're seeing. You know, almost ninety percent less population in her her apartment. Really? Yeah. I mean, this the stuff works, but it's a combination of things. It's keeping things clean. It's actually being willing to fight that pest to to do that. So that that's where there's a a real important thing is that you you really have to focus on what you're doing and say, okay, we want to control this and and having a clean area and keeping tabs on it and, you know, putting out the glue boards and stuff to monitor the area, to make sure you're not getting any pest incursions and, and visually inspecting, you know, once a month, once a quarter, however often you're going to do that. It's, it's important. I mean, you know, with, with a prepper, with a food store, I would expect that you'd probably inspect it once a month just for, you know, general expiration dates and make sure your rotation is doing okay. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> once a month at least, maybe even once every two or three weeks. Yeah, I mean, once a month generally is is probably good enough. I mean, for me, is is usually good enough. Um, but once a month to inspect for pests would be perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, even if if you're not finding any signs of them, you could maybe even just say once a quarter, once every three months, you know, do do an inspection, make sure, you know, and keep an eye out for any signs. Yeah. So, I mean, and the, other, the only other thing, you know, I know I had said in my email to you, I had said something about bed bugs, you know, and that's really starting to become a hot button issue, especially here in Austin and in, in other cities. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Let's talk about bed bugs. Okay, well, we can talk about them. Uh, try to be quick with that. Yeah, um, they are, and and really, they're a nuisance pest. It's they don't do anything. You know, they're 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 even more of a nuisance pest than cockroaches. And in some ways, they're really worse than cockroaches because they're really hard to find and detect. Mm-hmm. They they are tiny, tiny bugs. I mean, a full size adult. Look at your uh, pinky fingernail. Mm-hmm. That's about the size of a full-size adult. Okay. Um, and cut that in half, and that's your size of one that's just before it's full-size adult. And But they, they go through like six life cycles, six different stages. So... Cut each one of those in half about six times. Okay. And now you're starting to get down to the size of almost like the head of a if is sewing pins for pinning up clothes. Mm-hmm. You know how they have those colored heads? Yeah. That's about the size of a second level bed bug. And the first levels are half that size. They're really tiny, really hard to see. So how do you get rid of them? The best way to get rid of bed bugs is heat. They they tend to be resistant to any of the sprays that we can spray out there. Um, and so far, the, the one kind of surefire method that we have found is heat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's expensive, though. I mean, here for a heat treatment uh, in my building, because we're a nonprofit uh, organization, and because we do, uh, we're we're dealing with uh, housing of the elderly uh, who are on fixed incomes and things like that. Uh, we get a discount. It's about five hundred dollars. Okay, for from the company that we use. Every heat treat, and that's for uh, about a six to eight hundred square foot room. Okay. Um, so far this year, I think we have spent close to uh, ten thousand dollars. No kidding. Yeah. 
on on just the heat treatments alone. They've all been successful. We have done our all of our follow up inspections, um, and that's something else to to consider if you use a pest control company. Uh, if they're going to use heat, make sure they're doing follow up inspections. You know, at least thirty days out. Okay. Because sometimes, I mean, these these things are flat. If you can slide a piece of paper into a crevice, or you mm-hmm. can slide a business card into a crevice mm-hmm. on on a piece of wood, that's thin enough for a bed bug to fit into. No kidding. Okay. Oh yeah. <clears throat> and and they will they will thrive in those little spots. And when the heat starts coming on, they will actually find those spots and try to insulate themselves. Which is why you've got to run the heat at about 120 degrees for about three to four hours. Okay. It allows that maximum time for penetration into all those little spots, so that they can, so you wind up with, you know, killing them off. But a single bed bug, a single female, mm-hmm. can lay five eggs in a day. Whoa! It's five eggs, and then, you know, they're like most pests they don't care you know if it's mom or dad that they're mating with they start doing that and when you get that ratio of you know whatever whatever the ratio is to and and i don't know what their their actual male to female ratio is Mm -hmm. uh in births but even if you start having two females they lay five eggs a day you know suddenly and, and if only one of those eggs is a female you know, and you you start creeping up on all of those. Oh, jeez! <laughs> it's it's almost a geometric progression. And you know, in when when something like that happens, yeah, you know, so it's it, best to try to catch those fast and early. But they're they're hard to catch. They're hard to see. Uh, the indicators generally for most people are they start having bug bug bites that are indeterminate in origin you know they can't figure out where they got bit uh bed bugs arms and legs uh sometimes you think they're mosquito bites um but you know you can also get them on your face and so it's they're they're in spots that you know or maybe across the chest and you'll start seeing them but sometimes it looks like they're in sets of three right so to, you know, yeah, you know, they call it breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And <laughs> bug took a bite, ate a little bit, moved on a little bit, took another bite, ate a little bit, and took a third bite, and then went back to uh, hide. Man, that's gross. <laughs> it is. It's it's really gross. I mean, the fortunate thing is they don't appear to be vectors for disease. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, there's not a hundred percent guarantee that you can't get something from them. But generally, it appears that even though uh, they will feed off of people with things like hepatitis C or, or other communicable diseases or HIV, that type of thing, if they feed off of another person, it doesn't appear at this time we haven't seen anything where they're actually transmitting those diseases mm-hmm. okay. to others. You know, but... I mean, you can wind up with these things just, you know, in a, in a matter of, of 30 days, you can wind up with a couple thousand of these things crawling around. And, you know, you'll you'll notice uh, little brown discolorations on the, kind of a, at the foot of your bed, uh, on the sheets and stuff. And you might notice them by your pillow. Um you know, you start seeing those and you start thinking, oh, I must have scratched myself in the night. You know, well, that's actually their fecal matter. Oh, jeez. That's, that's where they're pooping, you know. And you you got to really start looking. when you If you start seeing those kind of spots and that kind of stuff, and you can't 100% guarantee that, oh, that my cut just bled last night, you know, then you you got to start checking. Because yeah. uh, those, those things are they're hard to get rid of. The heat works, um, you know. Diatomaceous earth works really nicely with them, and that's another good uh, 
thing to, to keep on hand is something called diatomaceous earth. It works on all your insect pests. What is it called? Diatomaceous earth. Okay. It's How do you spell that? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me, let me look it up. I'll look it up. <laughs> I think it's D-I-A-T-O-M-I-O-C-U-S. I'm not 100% on that. Yeah, I found it. Diatomaceous Earth. Here it is. I'll put a link in the, in the show notes. Yeah, it's, it's basically, it's, uh, powdered, uh, powdered single rock organisms. Okay. Uh, you know, from... You know, it, yeah, it's, it pretty much is powdered rock, but it's it's actually fossilized single cell organisms, single cell right. diatoms, um, and that puts it out, and they step on that, and it actually attaches to their uh, their exoskeletons, and it's like razor blades to them. Okay, and it attaches, it causes them pain, but it also starts to clog up the pores. Because they don't breathe like we do. They breathe throughout their entire body. Okay. And so it starts to clog up those pores and it gives them problems, you know, with breathing. And they get covered in it and then they die. They basically, they suffocate. Okay. And so, I mean, it's a real good thing uh, for that. It's a great passive uh, thing, but you've got to use it sparingly. It's it's kind of like boric acid and and some of the other old school remedies. Um, you know, I, I've gone into apartments where I've seen, you know, boric acid laid out like it was candy. You lay that much out and really the problem is is that you're not gonna get the bugs. You're gonna start getting yourself. Mm-hmm. And you start to cause health problems for yourself. I mean, you know, bugs like roaches and 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 even bed bugs, uh, in quantity, the the uh, exoskeletons that can actually aggravate asthma and cause allergic reactions. Um, you know, it's it's been known to actually give people uh, allergies to things like shellfish because the the exoskeletons on these insects are made up of the same type of stuff like uh, shrimp and lobster. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's the same It's the same kind of thing. It's chitin. It, it works the same way, and it can actually, if, if you're not careful about it, you can actually wind up with uh, allergies to seafood, you know, and it's like, I don't know about you, but I love eating shrimp. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. <laughs> So it's 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 all good to 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 do this kind of stuff. So well, it's good stuff, Matt. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> that last little part there was pretty good about the bed bugs, and uh, you know, folks, a lot of what we're talking about. I'll be I'll be putting some links in the show notes too. So you know, find this episode at todayssurvival dot com and check out all the show notes so you can read up about more of this stuff. Well, thanks, Matt. Appreciate your time. Oh, thank you, Bob. I appreciate yours. This is good stuff. This was a, this was a topic I'm glad you contacted me about because it's not. I mean, I, I've seen it on forums. I've heard it on a couple of other podcasts that I listen to, but I think it's something that uh, hopefully people are not overlooking because it's you know having a pest problem, especially if you're you're trying to store food and things like that, can be disastrous. Oh, it's it it just negates everything you're trying to do in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, it, it makes you come up with more creative ways and, and coming up with some things like Tupperware-type containers to keep things out, you know, but it's it kind of negates everything that yeah. you're trying to do. Good. Well, Matt, thank you very much, and uh, um, I, we, I very much appreciate your time. Oh, thank you, Bob, and I appreciate everything that you've been you've been doing, and, you know, as always, my thoughts and prayers are with you and your family, especially in, in this time of you know crisis for you. And then, as this is Memorial Day, I'd also like to say, you know, uh, a special thank you to all of our veterans who've gone on before us and 
who will go on after us. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, the, the listeners um, need to know you and I are talking on Memorial Day. It's not going to get released until several days after, but that's okay. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's never a bad time to remember the, the veterans who paid the ultimate price for us. So thanks for bringing that up. No, you're welcome, Bob. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Take care, Matt. Have a great one. YouTube up.